Check one, two. Just fucking make sure I hit record. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be important for, it, for, for an audio format. A hundred percent. I mean, the cameras are recording. Sure, audio but it's not so visually well. appealing. Um, yeah. if you've just got no sound. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm. Um, welcome to another podcast. We've got a fellow photographer, Brett Ferguson. Hello, Brett. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? Yeah, good. How are you? Good, good. Sunday. I'm feeling good. It's so great to meet you. Yeah, yeah. You too. After following you for a very long time, actually. <laughs> so, uh, hopefully, not too long. I can't remember. I actually, you're one of the earlier ones. I'm not sure when I first saw your work. It's like one of these things that you meet people and you go, oh, I think I found your work through such and such. Yeah. It's this rabbit warren that we take. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, how long have you been doing photography? Uh, a long time. I picked up a camera when I was probably about 12. Yeah. Um, actually, one of these ones here. Like <coughs> I, I, My grandmother gave me, my, um, gave me her box brownie. And I was taking photos with the box brownie. When I, yeah. and, and, of course, that expensive film, especially when I was like 12, I didn't really have a lot of income then, um, was was quite difficult to get it exposed and, you know, yeah. and get it get developed. It, uh, developed. Yeah. Uh, so then I transitioned to – I bought my first um, film SLR when I was about 15 and then I'd played with that. And then, I mean, I was very um, – very about very much about capturing things versus any yeah. portraiture work or anything like that. Yeah. And then when uh, I got my first digital camera in um, about two thousand and six, and that's when I really started ramping it up. And yeah. then in two thousand fourteen, I really got into the portraiture because I really wanted a challenge, and so I chose a genre to get into. And then portraiture was sort of my thing. So yeah, yeah. right. Mm. Why? Um, why did you so decide to challenge yourself? Uh, look, I think I was good with – well, I enjoyed talking to people, interacting with people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, portraiture is one of those things. But you do need to put yourself out there. There's a little bit of um, – more about making someone feel comfortable and also, um, I, I guess, feeling empathy for them in a, in a difficult situation. Like if yeah. they're, they're a bit uneasy, yeah, uh, you've got a job to do to, to bring them back to ease Correct. to get the best out of the shoot. So It's um, it's this piece around uh, if you're asking someone to be to, – to like open up and show their vulnerability, you've got to like guide them through that. Exactly. And, and make them feel comfortable doing that because yep. that's how you ultimately like get that, that shot, mm. right? Mm. Um. What are some techniques that you use to kind of like help help them along? Back at the start, I was doing uh, I was doing a specific style of portraiture, and particularly with I started out with my kids because they're they're twenty four seven, so you can just grab one and put them into a yeah. into a shot. Yeah, and that was sort of my I guess my style for a bit. And people found my work probably through photographs of my kids. There's a lot of people who talk to me now say, oh. I remember this of your daughter or That's I remember so this cool. of your son. So there's a lot there's a lot of those sorts of conversations. And what I would do with them is there's a very short window with kids that you can hold them for before they get angry. Cranky, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was all about um, – but I wanted a specific emotion. So I would wait and, and I would talk to them about what emotion I was getting. And it's really hard for kids to understand, you know, I want you to just empty your mind and just, just you know, stare off into the distance and just, just stay calm and – course they do that for what they think is you know 25 minutes but it's actually about three seconds and if you can get that one shot yeah you know, your cut to talks about the, you know that specific that is, that is so true yeah. like they think it's 25 minutes but it's only three seconds exactly it's like, so like, bro just fucking relax man exactly, exactly so um yeah so i think from there i've sort of learned that technique to um 
and I, I deliberately now most start out most of my shoots with uh, a natural light shoot. Yeah. And because it's what people are probably, unless they're a seasoned model, they're most comfortable with the idea of um, a shot with natural light. So it's a, you know, it's just in a window or something like that. Yeah. People feel less daunted by that. And once you start moving a light around, you go, sorry, that light's not quite right. I've got to move this. I've got to turn this down. And people like, like they almost think, is it me? But it's actually, it's the photographer's job to get that light right. I mean, that's what we're there to do. hundred um, percent. So I think for me, it's about making sure I get people in the, in the zone early and then they feel a bit more comfortable. And you can see from that early part of the shoot to an hour in, there's a huge change in their comfort level. And yeah, my job as a photographer, our job as photographers is to probably shorten that period as much as possible to get mm. the most productive time out of a shoot. Because sometimes it's only the last 20 minutes or something of my time that I will get the gold. And that's... That's for me is my challenge is how do I, how do I compress that? Um, yeah. And I certainly find that when I get um, either clients or models coming back for a second absolutely. or a third shoot, yeah. that time frames reduced dramatically yeah. and you just get, you just get like more gold shots more often. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and there's those small techniques where you say like yesterday um, we were, in, we're out outdoors and I, the, the lighting was quite bright and the model was struggling with it a bit. And I said, look, let's do eyes closed, one, two, three, open. I'll take one shot. And we just kept on repeating that process. Yeah. And then the shots we got was That's so much really better. No, it, it works really I'm, well. I'm going to fucking use that <laughs> no, one. use it. Absolutely. So, you know, for them, especially. Holy shit, learning off Brett already. <laughs> We're like five, five minutes and 36 seconds in. <laughs> That's my gold. So everything else from here is shit. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and so from that, it, we got some great shots. And so we did the first half of the shoot actually with studio because this was just for a corporate headshot she wanted. Yeah. And I said, oh, look, and she said, I'm not feeling it. I said, let's go out. We'll shoot out in the laneway. We shot out in the laneway, but it was as bright as hell out there. There was a lot of reflected light. Yeah. And we're, we're shooting in the shade. I'm not stupid. but um, And she uh, went through that technique and the shots we've got, she was super happy with. And we only shot probably eight frames, but she's got three out of the eight that she's she was going ahead with. So, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. We jumped straight in. We just like kept going, but I want to come back to um, uh, you using film cameras mm. and like how difficult it is to like know what you're shooting until you develop. Yeah, absolutely. Film, you so know? I, how, how did you transition from like, how did you feel about transitioning between like film to digital? Like, uh, So I guess I, I had full, but part of the problem with film or part of the, problem for some people with film is that you are it's up to the person developing the film as to how they interpret what that's going to look like yeah. so a actually at high school i was developing my own black and white film and then printing that work as well yeah so for me i can control like from it you know we talk about dodge and burn in photoshop that's the this is where the original dodge and burn comes from right you could dodge the paper that that exposure to give you a certain tone within that part of the image yeah, yeah. and there's a lot of a lot of science and a lot of technique to that um, and you know some of that I definitely do carry through to Photoshop, but so that that's that was my um, learning there. As far as the exposure side, I would record. I'm a bit of a. I mean, I, I studied science. I'm a bit of a data person. I would actually record the exposure information on each each shot that I took at the start. Nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, nerd alert. So, um, hey, I studied electrical engineering. There you go. That's even nerdier than science. Yeah, because that's the, the fucking hardest engineering you could possibly do. Absolutely. Because you can't see it. Yeah. And it kills people. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want to do that anymore. Well, those guys are the wealthiest people in the world, some of them. So, yeah. Uh, I like, I can do the work. I just, it just didn't interest me. Yeah. 
Yeah, you got to be passionate. You yeah, be passionate. Um, so you were recording like yeah, I was like had like a notebook, re- frame this, these settings, frame that, yeah. these settings, and then so when I get the film back, I'd or the the images back, I'd look at them and go, well, what what didn't work about that? And then once I transitioned to digital, of course, it's all like you see it straight away; it's instant. So you just go, oh, okay. So what if I really push this? So, so you were basically like recording stuff as if you were the own like microchip processor exactly yeah yeah trying to work and, out and trying to learn from mm. what what worked and what didn't work and yeah because if you want to slightly overexpose that's a, something that, that's actually such a sign of a true artist you know maybe or maybe i'm just just so technically minded that that's i'm just trying to find that link because you know the film's got this latitude right you can push film you can adjust the exposure but ultimately it's up to the development side of it as to whether they can actually go well that's overexposed i'm going to dial that back but you may have intended it for it to be overexposed so that's that's where i think digital gave me that ability to just push well beyond what film could ever could ever do that's fucking amazing man yeah it's good fun eh? (laughs) digital that's what i mean and my learning curve once i did that was absolutely just um exponential i I really took off then in terms of my creativity so did you like study photography outside of high school no. or like this is just this no it's just, just always like an interest a passion interest and a um, hobby you know we were talking about your dad earlier my my dad had a, a film camera that was just away in the cupboard and i don't think i ever saw him take a photograph with it it was an old film he, he would most use it for film and i was sort of fascinated by the the technology like how it looked and how it felt in your hand and, yeah. and what was going on so you open the back and you look at how it rolls the film on and all yeah. those things yeah um and I guess, I don't know, that was that was early days. And then I sort of transitioned and thought, well, I had access to cameras, so I started to use them. Yeah. And then for me, it was then, okay, well, I really enjoy this and then and then took it on. But at the start, it was very much about recording. And um, from then I moved to um, to, to more creativity um, aspect of photography, which I enjoy now. Now, you mentioned before that um, you're a real people person and you like talking to people, which I can tell now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to hide it. I'm dialing it back a bit. <laughs> Definitely don't do that. <laughs> I think I think people forget um, that in order to be a really good or great photographer, you do need quite a lot of people skills to be able to, one, communicate your vision or how you like interact with people like on shoot and on set to kind of bring that vision to life, mm. you know? And I think um, it's it's really underrated, like the whole communication piece. Yeah. You know, some <clears throat> I, I, I've, I've come across some models or some clients who are like, oh, there was this photographer who just kind of like sat there in the corner and expected me to kind of like do everything and like didn't really give me any guidance and stuff like that. And I'm like, shit, you need to start looking at my pose videos that I <laughs> post online. Like they are funny as fuck. <laughs> but that's, that's, it's, it's, and I, um, I did shoot a couple of days ago and I was explaining, you know, that the videos of me posing or like, you know, doing techniques or whatever, <clears throat> They serve two purposes. The first purpose is, one, yes, I'm showing people how to do it. Two, I'm showing them that I can look like an idiot as well so they don't feel like an idiot Mm. or feel awkward. And then three, just like just have some fun with it. Yeah. You know, like if you're not having fun, why are you doing it? Yeah. No, absolutely. I caught myself yesterday. I 
was <laughs> showing a model. I, I thought, oh, I'd like to explain this. So I was showing her how to sit on this chair. And then I realized that she she knows how to sit on a chair. She's been doing it since she was very young. So <laughs> anyway, and then I realized I look like an idiot. But it was funny because it broke the moment. Like she was just like, she, I said, because I, I said to her, you know how to sit on a chair. And then she sort of giggled, sat down, and she was, yeah. You know, and I wasn't asking anything really hard or technical, but obviously she, she, she wasn't upside down. Was she? No, she wasn't upside. Not at that point. No, no, she was just sitting. But um, yeah. So it was um, it was pretty comical. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of a little bit like so. so I, I do photography as a, I guess a second full time job. I have a like a nine to five. Me too. Job. And um, it's in business consulting. And one of the videos that I consistently like try to um, encourage people to watch is the video on how to tie your shoelace. Right. Because because of this fact that you've been tying your shoelace your whole life. You should know how to tie your shoelace. (laughs) Yeah. But this professor uh, on this video, he talks about he went out and he bought some really expensive Italian shoes and um, he wore them one day and the shoelace kept getting untied. So he took it back to the shop and he's like, there's something wrong with these shoes, like da-da-da, they keep untying. And the shop owner goes, well, you obviously don't know how to tie your shoes. And, and he got really upset and he was like, or, you know, I'm 64 years old. I think I know how to tie my shoes, da, 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 da. And then the shop owner showed him the right way of doing it. And it's all to do with the rotation yep. of when you do when you do that bit. If you do it the wrong way and when you uh, tie the, the bow, it actually creates um, a very weak knot when you're – when, when your foot is in the shoe and pressing up against mm-hmm. where the laces are, yeah, and if that if that knot is weak, it will un, undo. Mm. Whereas the other way, when the pressure is on, it actually tightens, tightens. it. Wow! And this professor's like, so there you go. Don't ever think that you know how to do something because that's just the way that you've been taught how to do it. Yeah. It could be a better way of doing things. Absolutely. Um, and that's, I guess that's also something that I really love about photography is that, yes, it is all about perspective, but there's no bounds as to how far you can push your own creativity, mm. right? Like mm. it's all just in your own head. Yeah. If you think you can't do it, then you definitely can't do it. No, no, no absolutely. And I think yesterday I was doubting myself in terms of I was using a, uh, I wanted to light a very small space. We've got a, I've got an ensuite on the side of the studio, and it was a really small space. I couldn't get a studio light in there. Well, I could have had I completely stuffed around. Anyway, mm. I just thought to myself, I wonder if a, f- a speed light will have enough enough power to do what I need it to do. It had way more than I expected because it's quite a small space, and yeah. I'd sort of forgotten. But I thought oh, I'll just try it and see. And you know, the model was fine for me to allow that you know extra thirty seconds that it took me to set that up. But yeah, but then. I didn't then need to worry about how am I going to fit them in there and a studio light and everything else. So it actually just worked so well. But it was I in my head the shot was actually with natural light because it was a skylight, but it just didn't have enough light in there. So all yeah. the light wasn't in the right spot. More it was backlighting her versus front lighting, and um, yeah, it just shows you there's not you, there's multiple ways to do the same thing. You shouldn't think it, it's just a, a single yeah. um, journey. A hundred percent. And mm. I think as photographers, 
I'm assuming you would be the same, but we forget about the equipment that we've bought over the years. Absolutely. And like how that would be beneficial to a particular situation, yeah. you know, and it's kind of like, oh shit, like I need to go back to that or yeah. wouldn't it be great if I like found something and then be like, oh wow, like, oh yeah, I remember that shot that I took with that bit of equipment and then you do it again and like how much better. So true, so true. Now I think, um, and it's only when you get to that point where you go, I'm not sure how I'm going to do this and you start thinking about what are the alternative methods, but yeah, if I probably set my studio up properly, I'd probably take everything out of the, because everything sits in the camera bag. I'm probably better to have it like on a wall in front of me and go, uh, is there anything here that I could mm. use? Because you're right, there's so many things in that bag that you just forget are there. So, What's a uh, controversial question, Tom? Mm. Mm. What do you shoot with? <laughs> um, so I shoot Canon. So. Hey! <laughs> um, so I, I'm, I'm still using the 5D Mark IV right now. That's a 5D Mark IV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I it's a workhorse. It. Yeah, no, it, it, it has done me a great job. I think I've had it six years now. Whenever they first bought them out, I was yeah. pretty early and when they first came out. Um, I've been waiting for Canon to, well, ever since they started talking about a high megapixel um, mirrorless, I've been waiting for that to come. And then obviously COVID hit and pretty much stopped any development. Yeah. So I'm waiting to see, supposedly we're, there's a, a, an R5 Mark II coming this year. And if that comes, that's the first thing. I'll be the first customer. So. Well, that's a R5. Yep. <clears throat> and with the uh, current firmware upgrade, it does allow for the, um, the sense movement. Yeah, right. Okay. So it can take like... High, very high yeah, megapixel. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's, uh, so a photographer that I follow in Canada, like I think probably at the start of last year, he was like, hey, just, you know, want to leak something out a little bit, but it looks like the five, um, the R5 has the mechanisms, the capability to do this. Right, so okay. whether or not Canon will bring that out. Yeah. And then of course, later on in the year, they did bring it out. Yeah. And it was like, holy shit, like, this is massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Game changer. Yeah. But then um, I think about my storage and go, Jesus, I'm not sure I'm ready for any higher oh, megapixel. <laughs> I know. And then it's like, well, when would you ever be printing out a billboard? No, that's true too. It's more for me, it's about some of my really in Talkie's um, fine artwork. If I'm doing something where I really want to be able to edit down to very um, fine detail. Yeah. For something that I might print uh, A2 or A1. Yeah. Yeah. Th that's nice to have those pixels. Yeah. Um, but yeah, most of the time I'm like 95, 97% of my work only ever gets to Instagram anyway, most people's profiles, right? And it, you yeah. do not need that resolution on Instagram. So I know in my account this morning, uh, my main account this morning got reported. Oh. Yes. And uh, so I'm like, ah, shit. I have to lay off it for a little bit, mm. which is such a it's so annoying. It's such a crock. It's so annoying. It's just this self-perpetuating thing, though. I mean, you, you think that there must be an alternative, but of course, without the numbers there, you just can't make an alternative. Plenty of companies have tried it and yeah. it just doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've been a Canon shooter for like since forever, but I've had Sonys and I've had Fujis. Um, and when, whenever people ask me, oh, what's a good camera? And I'm like, well, there is that saying that a good camera is the one that you've got with you. Yep. 
but ultimately I think all cameras are the same. It's just it just depends on your preference. Mm. And your preference purely from how you're gonna use the camera, how you're gonna work with the camera. And how you're gonna work with the camera, I think is important because it comes down to the menu system. Mm. And the menu system for Canons, I think are just so easy. Yeah. Like Sony's are just so complicated. Like how many times do you have to go down? No, absolutely. And Panasonic are not much better. I, I've, I went on a weekend once and used Panasonic for the whole weekend. And even by the end of the weekend, I was still like, where the hell is this? Like, why is it so hidden that you've got yeah. to... Whereas, yeah, but I, but then I wonder, is it just familiarity? I mean, I've um, since 2000, I had my first Canon film camera, then moved to digital in 2006. And you know, once you got that digital, the... the um, yeah, just the menu system and everything has been very consistent yeah. all the way through. I mean, I think yeah. once you got to the 5D, probably or the 5D Mark II was my first um, 5D. And it was, um, yeah, pre- it's very familiar. Like the, between the 5D2 and the 5D4, the menu systems is very similar so, yeah. and easy to follow. Yeah. And when you're um, – so do you shoot video? I do very limited video. Most yeah. of my video that I do is um, – I do a bit of video editing, but it's not related to my photography. So um, uh, this is a, a boring story alert, but um, I'm, I do a little bit of um, uh, some recording some family history stuff for my um, – you know, like I've got video of my grandparents, for example, talking about when they grew up and, and putting that story together for, for – yeah. Um, people in the future to be able to have that information so i edit that but that's that shot on a um uh a canon i don't know whatever it is but a proper <laughs> video camera hang on a minute this is this is definitely not a boring story <laughs> let's let's say it could be like what the f- well like how did you get into that so i just decided well i decided that there was nobody nobody recording this information so there was a there was a gap coming and i knew my grandparents were coming to the end of their age um, they they're all they're all dead now. Um, and shout, shout out to the grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they've um, they have yeah, and then they're at the point, and those you need to ask them a story, and you say, oh, so you know, where did you go to school? What did you what what what's some of your memories from going to school? And and then they tell these stories, and you go, well, I'm not going to remember that in two well two days, let alone so, two so, years. So this is kind of like a time capsule, yeah, very much so thing. Yeah. of like memories of like your elders. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and I'm lucky that I've got, I got all that recorded. Um, one of my grandmothers was not so happy to be recorded, so that I didn't get a lot with her. <laughs> but that's my grandfather. Um, and get one that camera away exactly, from me, Brett. Exactly. What are you I've, doing? I've got pretty much exactly that quote from her. Um, that's pr- pretty much the only footage I have of her. But um, no, it's great. It's it's good to have. And look, I hope that my grandchildren, my great grandchildren, will appreciate that there's that information is stored now. Do you, do you hope that um, that your kids will do that with you? Oh, look, or it's probably you, a pretty boring story, but <laughs> <laughs> no, that's probably what your grand- grandparents were well, thinking. Well, maybe, but I mean, they went through like Second World War, and you know, half of my my grandfather's brothers went off to war, and they all came back, and you know, you know, you know what the story will be. Um, f- so if if your grandkids ask you, you'd be like, there was this time. When there was a global pandemic. Oh, yeah, exactly. And they'll go, what? <laughs> we couldn't leave our houses. <laughs> the gr- and your grandkids would be like, what the fuck? Yeah, what are you talking what about? What do you mean? Yeah. You lived in a house? They're fucking living on a spaceship. <laughs> exactly. 
with flying cars. On, no, yeah. I think I think you're right. Even the other day, I was thinking, did that all really happen? Like, was, was that all? You know, that lockdown was that all real? Like, yeah. you forget about that two hundred and whatever it was, seventy six days, whatever it was. That was yeah. nuts. How did you know it was 276 days? Uh, well, <laughs> didn't they talk about that? Weren't we the longest uh, ever? You did mention that data, you were a data, data guy. Data. <laughs> data. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fascinating, man. That's so cool. Like you like recording your grandparents' stories. Yeah, no, and I need stuff. to do. I need to do my parents. I need to come down a generation because they are now in their 70s. So they, mm. they, yeah, it's definitely something I should probably do. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> Creativity wise, mm. like how do you, what what inspires you? Uh, Andrew Felix. Um, what was the <laughs> other one you asked me to say? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, he's a fucking comedian as well. <laughs> or most of us, most of us photographers are comedians. So <laughs> it helps. It helps. Right. Exactly. Um, so creativity-wise, I definitely get inspiration from other people's work. Mm. I look at their work more. Most of the time I'm driven by, um, this is going to sound a bit odd, but by their lighting. So I'll look at it. I'll look at a particular shot and I'll go, how is that lit? Is that daylight? Is it artificial light? And if it is artificial mm. light, how have they lit that? And then mm. I'll think about, or the, in that style, I'll think, what images could I make in that style that, um, that fit my, my style? Because my editing style is very... Um, very me i don't go too far out of that i'm i'm working on this year is i'm going to be definitely more about um trying out some some new stuff in terms of moving a little bit away from from where i've been previously but but nothing nothing crazy i think i'll still employ my my old style or um like like how crazy are we talking or not like oh no when i talk about like things that i've tried is um this last year two years i got into projector photography so using a projector to, to be the light source mm -hmm. and then you know projecting different colors different shapes onto onto bodies and uh, into the scene so that was um that was fun and then mixing that with uh studio light so mixing it with gelled light so where there's a where there is a, a shadow created by the projector then casting a gelled light onto that so you get this really cool white shapes and then coloured strips, if that makes sense. Um, mm. uh, so mixing the two things up, which is a bit of fun as well. Um, so yeah, doing doing different using different light sources um, and different styles of stuff. But I think this year I'm going to move a little bit more out of the studio and do a little bit more um, on location, yeah. um, both both artificial light and natural light, yeah. um, and have a bit of a play in that space. There's a couple of things there. Uh, it's really great. To hear you say lighting mm. is, you know, where you've kind of like focused, focused in on because I think um, <clears throat> a lot of photographers and a lot of a lot of people will um, forget about how important lighting is, particularly I think because our eyes kind of play tricks on us, you know, and um, particularly with natural light, like we can't we can't um, Depending on the, I guess, healthiness of your eyes, um, will you be able to see the different shades of light, you know, that that's available? Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, a camera can kind of see more because you can dial things right Absolutely. down, you know, like to the minute detail. Mm. Um, and, then, and then it's also great to hear like, 
you know, you using different techniques, you know, and blending two different techniques together. I think um, I get a lot of w- – whenever I hit a creative block, I go back to my catalogue and I have a look at things and then I work out whether or not I would like, you know, different – aspects or different components of two different photos to kind of come together mm. you know the whole projector thing mm. like that's fucking insane yeah like i've seen some projector stuff and it's like mate yeah and it's big it's for me it's about the learning process because you find yeah like you do your research and go okay so what type of projector do i need and then you go oh that's expensive because <laughs> you need really high res um because the, the the pixels that the, it's the lumens yeah exactly the lumens are important but the but the size of the um uh, yeah, the size of the well, the pixel, the the way it's projecting that it will, will create a very small shape on your model. So basically, you could have these really um, big chunks on the model that will be just slightly imperfect, and you've got to be you've got to be got to be cognizant of that as you're putting the image together. Mm. So yeah, I've learned a lot about how what style you know how how to shoot with that style, um, and yeah, it's and then it's about okay, what if I because um, the in the case of that example where I put the gel with the thing, that was a complete accident. I left the the gel or just completed a gel shoot, turned the projector on, took a photo, and then gone, Oh shit, where the shadow should be is now filled with gel. And it was like, Oh. So now I'm on this journey around, you know, filling yeah. in the shadows with gels. So I fucking love that. Yeah. No, it's good fun. Um and of course the models looking at me going, What the hell are you excited about? But you know, yeah, lighting's lighting. Yeah. Um, did you start in studio and like you've been doing more natural light? Um, I've always tried to mix the two things up a little bit for mm. the reasons I spoke about earlier. Um, and was that warning on the camera for a reason? No? Went to text and then dropped back. Yeah. So I don't know if you know, but cameras only have a video capability. Of I learned this from Andrew Felix. 29 minutes, minutes and 59, 59 seconds. seconds. Uh, which is why I've got a remote ah, attached. Cool. And so the timer is for 30 minutes and four seconds. So it gives it time to record the file to yep. the card. Yep. And then it'll just nice. record again. Nice. That um, was that was a hard thing for me to learn. Yeah, yeah. Well, this technical stuff is um, – got a lot of gear in here, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, your question I've completely <coughs> forgotten now. because Me too. Um Oh, studio light. Studio, studio light. Sorry, did you did you start in studio and then move across to natural? No, so I went the other way around. Um, so you did natural and then you yeah then yeah kind of like you do like a bit of both. Yes, um, but I have to say I've learnt a lot more about natural since having studio. If that makes sense, because yeah, you can look at the <coughs> you can look at a modifier and you can say okay, I think it's going to cast this type of light, but the, a modifier is not a modifier. You, there's so many different variants. Um, variants to what what it's going to produce, and mm. then natural light's exactly the same. I like, but I, one thing I do, which again is a little bit nerdy, is I'll look around a room and I'll look at how the light is falling, and it's also important for me because in some of my creative editing work, I need to know what a realistic shadow looks like, for example, mm. because you know colors within shadows are really important. How the shadows um, forming. What, what it's going to do as it trails away, how a subject is going to interfere with that, um, you know, the shadow that might be coming from a building, for example. So I enjoy looking at light and working out exactly how that is being formed and then I try and use that to um, to generate, um, yeah, something in studio. But Yeah, and it's, um, it's this case of really like looking at the detail and try to work out like 
what works and what doesn't work mm. and then how to recreate that in a different setting. Yeah. You know, and I think um, that's why I love photography because you get to really test your own senses and you get to really create something that's unique, you know, if you blend different techniques together mm. and and then, you know, obviously there's the piece around showing the model like a different side to themselves and then looking at the back of the camera like, oh, is that me? Like that doesn't look like me. And I'm like, well, it ain't fucking me. <laughs> Not unless I got this thing the wrong way around. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, so that's no, true. And people do photograph differently. That's what I, I always get amazed by. When you look at a person straight on and you, you're looking at them going, okay, even when they're in the studio and the light's there, like you've got a modeling light on them, you take a shot and, and some people go, the hell? Like their, their face changes yeah. in camera. And there's, <clears throat> there's very few people this really is very obvious with, but I think it's it's to do with obviously compression depending on the lens you're using and mm. um, other aspects. But some people just, when a, when a light hits them, their skin is actually more luminous than, and I'm not just talking makeup here, I'm talking about just, people's skin mm. um so that 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 to me is really interesting and, and i've um in the last three four years i've been shooting a few darker skin models as well and that's bloody challenging for a for a studio photographer who thinks they know what they're doing um to switch over to a, a darker skin model that's that's uh yeah that's good fun to try what, and work that out what do you find difficult about it though because you, it's easy to overhook the skin. So you, you make this natural, you have this natural idea. Like if you have someone, you're shooting someone in a black dress and then you put someone in a white dress, you are going to have to dial those lights back because they're going to get a lot more luminescence coming off the clothing onto them and everything gotcha. else. In the case of a darker skin model, you might be tempted to just dial the light up a bit, but actually you'll probably overcook it. You'll actually get um, different um, specular highlights on the skin itself and you'll actually start to overexpose them. But you might not see it to the naked eye. Like you, you. It's only when you get to processing, you go, "I can't do anything with that skin." You get this massive shiny mm. spot. So you've just got to be a little bit more cognizant of that. And in natural light as well, I notice you've just got to be a bit, um, probably slightly underexpose it and then deal with it in in Lightroom later. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I didn't think of that. Like the 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 fact that a darker skin model you know, you'd have to really adjust so that you don't overexpose, yep. you know, how how their, the texture of their skin kind of looks. Mm. But I suppose it is, it is something that I would do like when I'm outside working with natural light anyway. Yeah. Like, but I didn't think of it like that, mm. you know. Yeah, no, I think you've just got to be just looking at how, particularly the highlights, any areas, like they might have put a bit of shimmer or something on and you just need to be watching because that will make it hard from an editing perspective later and I, I try and get it as close to how I want it exposed as possible in, mm. in camera. So, mm. Mm. Um, what do you have plans for the rest of 2024? 2024 is um, it's going to cost me a lot of money. Um, so... <laughs> I think because um, you're buying the R5. Well, yeah, the I am. Mark II. Yeah, maybe, and maybe if that doesn't come, maybe I'm just going to bite the bullet and buy the, the fucking, one for fucking now. Fucking lenses are the most expensive. Yeah, but I mean, look, good, good glass is good glass, right? So at 100%. the end of the day, I mean, I'm, you I, can get, you can buy a RF to EF adapter. Yeah, I've thought about that, which I, is what I did originally because yeah. I had all the EF lenses, yeah. and then gradually over time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still wondering about what what that transition looks like for me, mm. um, but the last few weeks my workhorse 24 to 70 has been giving me some trouble 
and oh. um, connection um, issues. So it, it's it's all to do with well, supposedly you know every YouTube that I've looked at, it's all about those connections not being clean, and I've cleaned them a lot and. On occasion, it's still saying it doesn't have a connection between the lens and the body, which is annoying the hell out of me because twenty four seventy is my real workhorse in the in the studio. So yeah, hundred percent. So I just but uh, you know, Canon, you haven't yet. My solution would be just to go and make the transition. But if Canon, you haven't released that, which they're saying maybe is the second half of twenty four. And I don't know if you know, but um, this year for RF mount lenses with Canon. Uh, their seven-year agreement is up. Yeah, that's right. So we're waiting to see what Sigma or Sigma whoever else jump in on. Lenses, Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's at the end of this month. Wow, okay. So we're going to see like third-party RF mount lenses, yep. which is just an absolute game-changer from, no, no, from a so, cost perspective. Yeah. No, I shoot I shoot with the Sigma 1.485 art lens mm. uh, for my natural light stuff because I just I love that lens for for that particularly for shallow depth of field but it, it is I mean it's it's heavy but it mm. is a beautiful piece of glass for for that type of work so yeah and the glass the, the when someone asks me about what camera to buy I'm always like yeah you can buy whatever body but spend more money on the glass yeah because the glass is the one that's going to make it make the quality of your photos better don't buy a five thousand dollar body and stick a two hundred dollar <laughs> lens on it no, i'm like not. whoa like what are you doing mm, mm, you're just wasting your money yeah you'd rather it be the other way around mm. or at least maybe half and half mm. Mm. no exactly so um so to answer your original question uh there is that purchase there is also uh i'm doing a workshop in april which is now all booked in locked away on yeah. studio lighting uh yeah. so i'm going to do probably three of them this year um, yeah, that's cool if i can make the time for it um mm. so i've had a few people bugging me for a while i did some pre pre-covid and they were quite successful just two models probably six people um yeah. the studio is not small that big small and intimate yeah uh and it's more about yeah just helping people understand like we're talking very beginner people in terms of studio lighting just learning that yeah. that skill yeah um and just working with the model so just teaching people you know how to respect the model how to how to um how to find them um and those sorts of things and then there's a couple of projects i'm doing uh sort of um what would you call them off-site shoots so still studio but i've i've hired a um a venue which is going to be sort of quite themed um and yeah, so I've I've got a couple of models coming along that I've, I've booked for that. So yeah, that's awesome. Should be good fun. Um, but it's my first time taking studio gear out into the wild and um, <laughs> and shooting, so to speak. But um, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? You the first time? Well, I've done shots where <laughs> I'm going to a location in a natural light, but never to drag all the studio gear with me. Um, I mean, I've taken how much a, studio gear are you taking? Well, no, it like would a backdrop no. and like <laughs> no, it, power transformers. <laughs> No, there's fortunately um, there's mains power there, so I'll be I'll just plugged in. But it it'll only be two, probably two big light modifiers, a couple of big soft boxes. But yeah, okay. But it's just that doesn't sound so bad. No, no, I'm just exaggerating it for effect. But um, no, look, it, it'll be it'll be great. Um, I'm really looking forward to shooting that. And yeah, yeah, it'd be great to see um the output of some of these projects. Yeah, no, I'm looking looking forward to that. I think I'm also. Reflecting yesterday on my shoot and I think I need to spend more time uh, building the team a little bit. Like there was a, there was a shoot yesterday I reckon would have been 
much more next level had I had a hair artist there as well gotcha. to get hair as well. Mm. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's clothing. But um, those projects where I think, where I look back and go, that output is is really good is mm. usually when there's a full team there. Mm. But that's expensive to arrange. It's expensive and, and I find... Um, Again, like some people don't appreciate the level of project management that is required in syncing up people's fucking schedules. Exactly. I'm like, bro, like, like I'm all good for people like cancelling on me and like whatever because guess what? It frees up my time so I can do other <laughs> shit. But I'm like in the lead up to stuff, you know, like if you're trying to schedule like three or four people yeah, no the time. same thing mm. and like there's just no – the word commitment <laughs> i'm like how am i supposed to fucking do what i'm doing yeah you know yeah yeah no it's 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 pretty challenging and i the client i'm shooting this afternoon um when we've been communicating shoots said, that oh, i want to do it like earlier and i said because my said my first availability was i can't remember what i said march something yeah it's like no no but i want to do it earlier than that can we do it on sunday and i was like oh i said okay well like i've got podcast in the morning and then I'll, I'll do it after that and she's like okay and then so i sent a note you last night just saying are we still on yeah she's come back no we're talking next sunday aren't we? and i'm going no we're talking this sunday so anyway I, that was crosswise but it's the sort of thing where it can completely stuff you up because i'm going no next weekend's book sold there's no way yeah. it's happening next weekend yeah so yeah. it flows on from there yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. and look I, I again i totally get it like people are busy and all of this um my mo has always been like i'll give people like two maybe three chances because i get it you know Uh, i'm on one so i'm a scorpio (laughs) so (sighs) you're a scorpio yeah yeah yeah. i'm a sagittarius right yeah and i'm the tail's coming in quickly if you've if you've screwed me around it's on yeah right watch out watch (laughs) out people scorpio break exactly on a rampage yeah 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 I can't, I can't handle that. Yeah. I think, um, I get that as well. When you get to three, come on, man, you're, you're being too generous with your time. Yeah. When it's three, I'm very loose with my responses <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I'll, like, yeah, I'll fit yeah. you in, you know, like my, my, my level of prioritization has dropped really low and like other people are, you know, taking priority first. Yeah. If only like one of those people like cancelled then i'll go yeah i'll go down down to that level Mm. um but yeah i've learned i've learned across the years that um like don't take things too personally if shit doesn't go on like i i always when i first started I, i was always like all right how do i kind of like get this get this like train moving in terms of like really getting commitment you know like spending some time developing my shoot agreements, you know, the inspiration boards, yep. like all this type of stuff. And then um, whenever people didn't show up, I, like, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> just really, really take it quite personally. Mm. And then I got into this frame of mind. It was like, nah, have no expectations. Don't have any expectations until I can see the person. Yep. And then... Yeah, that lasted a couple of years and then probably in the last, I don't know, four years, I've just been like, I don't have time to fucking have any emotions. 
I'm like, nah, like, you know what? If you, as I said before, if you cancel on me, that's fine. I've got other stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, like editing videos mm-hmm. or editing photos or replying back to messages that have been sitting on red for a while, you know, like, come on, mate. Yeah, that exactly. And it is about finding that, um, that uh, balance between committing yourself to too much, like you're talking about, um, yeah. versus just being balanced. And that's where you have to balance the, the nine to five sometimes as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I do do video and I have been looking at getting a dedicated video camera. Mm. Uh, so I have been looking at the Sony FX3 mm. uh, pr- primarily because the movie The Creator was shot on it yep. completely. Yep. Um, but I've also been looking at the 5RC. Okay, yeah. Um, because it's Netflix approved. Not that I'm coming oh. out. Not that I'm coming out with a Netflix movie. But um, and then I'm like, oh, like why, why go and buy something completely different? Why don't I just buy a second R5? Mm. Or like if the R5 Mark II comes out, like because it's an absolute beast. Like I've taken over. F- half a million photos in two and a half years. Oh, wow. You know, Mm. and like God knows how many videos. Mm. Um, So my, uh, my, my idol photographer, my fanboy photographer that I follow, he's got a five, uh, an R5 and on YouTube, he's got a clip of him customizing all of his buttons. Okay. What's his name? Um, Joaquin Carlson. Okay. So he's married to the Julia. Oh, yeah, right. The redhead. Yeah. Um, And they live in Bali and he like travels the world taking photos of her wherever she is and runs workshops. What a job. His fucking work is amazing. Mm. Like these European photographers, they got their fucking shit going down. Mm. Anyway, so... I was like, oh, well, he's got an R5. I'm going to buy an R5 and I'm going to customize all my buttons like him because he he goes through and he explains why. Because uh, like all the buttons have like the little um, little printed icons, mm-hmm. you know, to show you, to, to give you the information on what button it is. But he kind of customizes it in a particular way that kind of makes sense to his shooting style so that, you know, like, because sometimes you may like take a shot and then like the way that you're holding in camera like might bump something and then it changes yeah, changes yeah, it and then you yeah. go to take another shot and it's like completely changed but you won't know until you get it back to absolutely the the the, the computer right yeah and so he goes through and he, he explains why he does things like mm. that so i'm like that's fucking genius yeah i'm gonna do that so i'm basically shooting with his camera yeah well um yeah i've bumped shutter speed a few times it happens to me in studio just where the way I've got the uh, the D five D four set up is mm. that yeah occasionally you'll drop it down to like one hundredth one hundredth of a second then you get these shots back and you go why is this bloody blurry and you go oh because you've accidentally dropped so anyway I've learned to lock it out now but same thing yeah. you're customizing it to give you the the way you shoot so yeah and I know Sony you can customize buttons in Sony's as well I mm. think mm. Um, because I was like I was telling someone about being able to customize it and they shoot with Sony. And they were like, oh, we've been able to do that for a while. So mm. it's, it's kind of like, oh, well, okay, you know. Yeah. But like mm, yeah. much of a muchness. No, I, I like Canon just for skin tones. I mean, skin tones for me in, yeah. in Canon look. I mean, as I said, I've used – well, I've shot some images on Sony. I've shot some on Panasonic. Um, I haven't 
shot a Nikon, I don't think. But just looking at skin tones, I just like the way they look out of yeah. camera. Now, people will say, well, how are you bringing them out of camera? Like what, what format are you recording them in and all of that? And when you get them to Lightroom, you're going to balance anyway. But I just like the fact that when I get them in Lightroom straight away, I know that I like that look. So I'm already yeah. part of the way there. I'm not color grading my own um, raw images just to yeah. get them to what I want them to look like. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's where... I think from what I understand, I haven't used Capture One, but from what I understand, that can be a bit finicky too around that. Um, but so that's why it just that that process just works for me. So Lightroom and Photoshop is predominantly what you use. Yeah, I do. Um, in studio, I'm almost a hundred percent of the time taking an image to Photoshop after being in Lightroom because mm -hmm. I'm quite often adjusting. Like I do quite a bit of what I would call creative photography where I'm compositing things in. So I'm adding oh, things in the background. That's cool. And that's um so that means I'm definitely in Photoshop. I'm not doing that Lightroom, obviously. But I mean Lightroom now, particularly with you know, some of the smarts around um masking and and um you know, it, when you you can adjust hair or face, skin or clothing or mm. whatever individually that's pretty impressive. I'm pretty sure you can do composite editing in Lightroom. Yeah, there is a way of doing it, but it's super complicated, I think. Um, Shout out to Jordan. I know you do that, buddy. <laughs> wow, there you go. Um, but I think for what I'm doing, I'm talking about taking someone I've shot on a white background and putting them into a building that's completely not there. Like yeah, it's, gotcha. it's full-on compositing. compositing um, do you use generative? No, fill. no. I mean, I generally fill I might use if I need to, but I generally try and get it right in camera. Um, sometimes I will have, you know, put them offside a bit and just I just want to extend the backdrop just a bit to give me a bit of extra. So I'll use that. I think it's okay. I think um, content-aware fill is actually still, for that type of work, is still pretty good too. Mm. Generative fill is good when you know, you've got a particularly a landscape or something, you've got this mountain range that you want to extend that's where I think it's quite clever in terms mm. of making it look realistic. And what's your what's your opinion on AI and the use of AI? Um, I was reading an article this morning about this German photographer, the guy who won the um, was it the Sony Awards with the with the um, AI generated image, mm -hmm. and yeah, he basically went up there to accept it and then said, "I'm not accepting it. I just wanted to prove a point that you guys don't know what you're looking at, like that it's not <laughs> that it's not real." And um, I didn't take they this. Got, they got punked. Exactly. Sony got punked. Exactly. And I think it's fantastic. But he just wanted to draw attention to the fact you can create these award-winning winning images. And I, just recently there was a... An, um, you should all switch to Canon. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm yeah. joking. I'm joking. <laughs> it's also not, sponsored not, by Canon. Is this sponsored by Canon? Uh, it's definitely not sponsored Could by Canon. Could be sponsored by Canon. If Canon, Canon or Nike or Playboy yeah. or Rode ever want to sponsor... Please, like, yeah. like, inbox me. Yeah, absolutely. Slide into those DMs, please. <laughs> you will get prioritized very quickly. <laughs> Forget about those unread ones. He'll if, be up the top. If you don't reply, uh, you go, you'll drop down. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's let's start a petition. Um, so, yeah, so this article, so yeah. the Sony Awards. So, I think for me, the um, thing, it has its place. So, there's a brand new competition coming out at the moment, which is allowing AI-generated images. But I, I think he called it um, this. This this German guy called it. Um, what did he call it? Promptology, or or a word like that. And basically saying it's it's how good are you at putting prompts into AI to tell it to generate something? Yeah. And there are several photographers that I follow because I like their work, and I know that it's all AI. 
but I like the whatever prompts they're using are very clever to give something an image to me that's pleasing um, but I know that it's AI and I appreciate that they say that it's AI. So they're, they're saying, you know, hashtag mid journey or whatever. And I know that it is. Mm. I think it's when you get, when you start to blur the lines about hiding, whether it's real or not and mm. taking credit for something that, um, you know, the only thing for me is that it has its, this little bit of um, an allowance for me is the fact that the image, you're not stealing other photographers images. It's, it's what, the system has generated so you're not actually stealing someone's face and putting it there it's actually what what the what the computer is saying i'm going to create that face so mm. for me i'm less less averse to it from that perspective but I, yeah i i for my work i won't even use if i'm compositing i won't use a background that i haven't shot myself so i won't go and buy a stock image and put that in the background that's not i will not generate an image yeah, right. That's just the personal sort of rules that I go by. I think um, I think it's a little bit like when Google came out and we were doing Google searches and I would come across people that were always like, oh, I can't seem to find this thing. How do I find it? And I'm like, well, you've got to use the right words mm. in Google. Mm. And then I would do it for them and they'd be like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, gradually over time, like the the metadata or the keyword searches on either web pages or like information that you're looking for mm. got better and better and better because people, business owners or people with that content got better about, you know, uploading stuff. Yep. Um, I think the AI stuff is exactly the same. Like, yes, there's probably some machine learning behind it. So for every search, that that search goes into the bank, you know, for whatever were to come up later on. Yep. But um, this piece around how well you are at crafting a prompt will determine the quality of what comes out. Absolutely. Um, and it's it's only, yeah, like I'm amazed at how or where this is going to take us. Mm you know, in, in the future yep. and like what what are the possibilities? Yep. No, absolutely. I think it's going to be, um, I think as you said, it's going to be those prompts now become, it's becoming more intuitive as to what those prompts need to be to generate mm. what it thinks. And I, I think we will get to a point where your particular style, like it's not just about the style, the prompts you're putting in probably, but it will start to learn the type of images that you like. So if you've got mm. a bit of a, a bent for something that's a little bit darker, I'm sure it, it'll start to learn you don't want something that looks happy and sunny. You're looking for something that's got this dark undertone. Mm. So rather than the prompt being, you know, darkness, um, evil, whatever, you probably won't even need to put that because it'll just learn what type of image that you're trying to produce. Mm. So it's, it's like when I started sharing a couple of days ago Batman and Catwoman images, that fucking shit's all over my <laughs> algo now. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, it's like... Because usually it's um, it's like uh, lingerie women uh, or cats, but now it's lingerie women, cats, and Batman. Oh. Well, Batman just got to work out how to get it higher in the feed. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's 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 pretty funny. So um, yeah, like like AI. I think um, 
I'm still waiting for like Skynet to get launched this year. That is this year, yeah, 2024. Yeah, yeah. and um, and John Connor, wherever you are, w- w- we need you to come out, buddy. It does. It does make you wonder, does it? I mean, I love it when a when a movie sort of starts to you know, happen in real life, but it is funny that because people have been very quickly conscious of oh hang on what ha- what happened there? that was bad in that movie i remember i can't remember everything that happened but i remember it was bad so that was real bad <laughs> <laughs> some fucking Arnold schwarzenegger character comes back yeah yeah so um, they got I, a perfect time travel though that that's going to be the key right we need to get that happening yeah <laughs> i mean but do we now or do they later well to then come back now yeah i still I think there's still questions about whether that's even possible. So, yeah. do you find that when you like watch movies and stuff, you get like inspiration creatively? Oh, from definitely. Them? So I went and watched, um, which is not correctly named, The Dry Two last night. Oh yeah, yeah, with uh, Banner. Yeah, exactly. Who had some very clunky acting um, in there, by the way. Anyway, um, and the reason we went to see it was The Dry One, the first one. My dad was actually an extra in the film, so that's <laughs> that's why. So that, that's there's a linkage. That's fucking cool, man. <laughs> yeah, he he was named. He was named, as in someone said to him, "Hey, well, pull that down," and that's his name. And um, he's also in the credits. So yeah, he's uh, he didn't speak, but he was named. He, someone talked of him in the film. Yeah, right. Yeah. So 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 what was it about Dry Two? Um, it was about just the atmosphere. I just thought to myself, I would love to go and shoot some of those locations and yeah. get out. And but. Then I read there was an article that on a few weeks ago. I read this: the crew to get into some of those locations, they had to wear wetsuits because the leeches are horrendous. Oh, fuck that shit. Yeah, and one guy had had a leech on his um, in his eyeball, like went up underneath the uh, eyelid, which is not cool. Yeah, that's not cool. No, so I would not like to be in. Imagine getting into a wetsuit just to go to work. That'd be not much fun at all. I mean, that's what commercial divers do. Yeah, that's true. But no leeches down there. No, big sharks, no, yeah. but no leeches. Yeah, no leeches, just just big sharks. No, the only w- one shoot I did out in the Dandenongs with a model and, um, yeah, we got attacked by leeches. The <laughs> bastards, they are on every fern, every <laughs> blade of grass. How <laughs> did you do that? Why did I? Why? It was about the location. Uh, so we went out there and then I'm in the car and I'm going, I can feel it. Like you're taking off your jumper, you're taking off your pants, you're trying to, you know, it's not good when you have to, when you're not sure, you're going, I reckon there's still one here somewhere. Like I was literally in the shower going, is there any more on me? Yeah. Bastards. That's that's kind of cringy. That's not good. And yeah, when they get big enough and fat enough, they fall off, but I don't want them to get to that point. No, because how much blood have they seen? Yeah, they're ugly little things too. Yeah. Yeah. Um... What, uh, yeah, like what, what, so you, you've spoken about projects that you've done this year, mm. um, doing location shoots. Like, how do you go about getting models to like agree to doing some of the stuff that you've done? Uh, they've got, it's got to be a shared vision, I think, in terms of, unless I'm a hundred percent paying upfront, like if it's a collaboration, then it's got to be a shared vision because mm. they won't be a hundred percent on board. So if it's that type of work, if it's paid, then I'm looking for someone who has that skill set that I'm looking for particularly and, or, and, or I've seen other work where they've done that type of work before. Yeah. I'm not um, requesting people to go beyond, you know, what they're comfortable with, but more about, and I would never put them in danger in terms of, you know, putting them in a shoot location that I wouldn't be comfortable being in myself. Mm. But I think it's about, 
I've got some people now I've worked with multiple times, like you said earlier. Yeah. And for me, that's where I get the best work because we just jump into a, a comfortable zone together. And um, it's, a, it's a different, it's a different um, working relationship, yeah. I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's more organic and it's more fluid. Yeah, and, 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 yeah. and they, they, they are more comfortable making a suggestion too, which I think is great. Like they go, because mm. sometimes I'll be in a <coughs> block and go, I'm not sure what angle or what what area. And then they'll go, oh, what about, what if we did this? And you go, oh. I'm sure that's not often. No, <laughs> no you'd be surprised. It I've happens. seen your work. I'm sure it's not often. No, I don't know. Yeah, it happens. Yesterday it happened where I was just like, uh, and then the model said, what about this? And I go, no, that's exactly what we should do. And and I'm very happy to have those suggestions. And I'm very much a fan of two things. One, I'm a fan of let's try and if it doesn't work, we just delete it. Yeah. And then secondly, I always try and put one experimental idea into every shoot that I do. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm the same. Like I love when someone comes with ideas, not so many ideas, so that they're sure. taking, taking over, mm. taking over everything. Mm. But um, I love it when they're like, "Oh, what about? What would you be open to trying something like this?" And if it's something that I haven't done before, or something that I have done before, and I think that they would be like the right, they could create the right form, you know, with their body yep. or, or whatnot. Then yeah, let, let's go for it. Yeah, and no, I had that a couple of weeks ago. The model said, "Oh, I've been. I think I can do these these." Um, Bends, could you do you know you know do you have the skill basically to shoot this inside this silhouette style and i was like yeah, yeah we can do that absolutely that was easy mm. um but the hard part was for her is be able to get into those things but she sent me then images um from her phone that she'd taken to show me that she can well not, not that she could do this the move but the fact that this is what it looks like and i was like okay that's cool so mm. yeah when you get that level of engagement it's good yeah, and I think um, I think also that that is something that's um, telling is that whenever someone sees an inspiration photo on like either Instagram or Pinterest or whatever, sometimes these complex images you have to actually work up to them. Yeah, you can't like jump straight into that that level of flexibility or that level of stretching. Yeah, without kind of like easing up into it. Yeah, and you know I find that. Um, that that that's it's definitely overlooked. Yeah, I've got to I've got to stretch a lot before a shoot. Um, but <laughs> I'm joking. I don't I don't stretch before a shoot. Um, but the are you into yoga? Uh, uh, no, I've never done yoga. Truth, truth be told, I don't even stretch before I run, which is a bit it's bad at my age. But oh. I don't I don't do it. So, but you're a spring chicken. Uh, no, I'm no spring chicken. No. no. How how often are you running? Uh, I'm I'm cycling three times a week and and running, well three or four times a week cycling and then probably running every other day, like as in three days a week running. But I'm I might get one day of rest where I don't do anything. Right. Mm. How far are you running? Uh, running is only about five or six k's. Um, I'm riding <laughs> That's about more than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I'm riding about. 120 k's a week total so what yeah what what are you running away or riding away from <laughs> yeah right? well i'm the, the riding demons, the demons in your head well th that's probably accurate in terms <laughs> of um the running i'm trying to get back into sorry the riding i'm i two years ago I had a fairly major cycling accident oh fuck so i'm trying what to happened? get uh i i was doing 140 kilometer ride down at um down from torquay and at about 136 kilometer mark, so four k's to finish, um, I fell off and Fuck. broke my collarbone in two places, uh, broke four ribs 
in two places each at the front, four ribs on the back and punctured along. Mm, so that was fun. So I, I, getting back into cycling was more of a mental thing to say, I'm, go, I'm not going to let this... Uh, I like how you turn that negative into a positive yep. by saying that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, look, I'm, a week, sh- I'm sure it wasn't a fun week, at the time. No, a week in Geelong Hospital, two days in intensive care. And I remember asking the, the nurse who was at the foot of my bed, like watching everything happen, like full-time monitoring of my heart rate and breathing. And I said, what am I doing in intensive care? And she goes, we just want to make sure you keep breathing. I'm going, okay, fair enough. Let's let's do that then. At, at, at any point during your recovery in hospital, did you ask someone, Am I going to be able to take photos ever again? No, but I did take <laughs> off six months where the the collarbone. See, so for me, the the ribs were the one that I was most probably um, not worried about, but sort of thought, oh, that's bad that I've got. So now I've got thirty nine pieces of metal that I never had before. Um, and the hang, hang on a minute, go for it. This is when you got a glitch and you got suddenly move across and you go, what the hell's happened there? Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, and I get AI to use my to do my editing. I, you, I remember one of the podcasts you're talking about this. Yeah, it's fucking. I've been trying to keep up with all of your like. I, I thought I better listen to some of the back catalog, and then I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm trying to like. I thought I okay, can't caught up now, and then all of a sudden there's like another seven. I'm going, what the hell? <laughs> How is this guy? What is he doing? <laughs> um. Yeah, I I can't sit still. And um, <clears throat> so, so in my consulting, I consult in like um, uh, process improvement, mm-hmm. biz- business improvement. Yep. And so I'm always trying to find like ways to streamline workflows Absolutely. And, and, and stuff like that. And so when I came across um, researching on how to do a podcast – one of the biggest things was the fucking editing, mm. uh, particularly with the two camera setup. Yeah, two camera, three camera, whatever, right? And um, and so I signed up to use a, a um an AI extension in uh, Adobe Premiere Pro. Um, first month was free, and then I'm paying like thirty dollars a month. Yeah, but like saving uh, you hours of time, hours. Yeah, like I'm saying, so the AI only works if um, if this module records the audio in two separate files. Sure. <clears throat> the first podcast I did, uh, I didn't really read the instructions. Yeah, and, no, I'm, uh, I'm not the instruction reader either. So. And so I had to manually do that, and then I realized, oh shit, there's a setting thing that I had to change. And then I think, um, I think like podcast number eighteen or nineteen. A firmware upgrade for this, right? And the firmware upgrade reset all the settings. <laughs> yeah. So then I had to, so then I had to fucking edit that manually, one manually, mm. and that shit took me four and a half hours. Yeah, I believe you. But then the next podcast, I obviously put the settings right, and that one took me thirty-two seconds. So there's your thirty bucks a month for yeah. helping out. Yeah, and I'm like, mate. Like it's just absolutely nuts. Yeah, that's great. Um, if but it's it's nuts the, from a time saving point of view, plus the fact that um, uh, speed of production, like I can record, edit, 
upload all within a day. You must be able to, because otherwise, how do you get you know seven a week or whatever the hell you're doing at the moment? So yeah, well, that was that was like t- uh, two three weeks ago. My my goal was to only do one po- one podcast a week. Yeah, for twenty twenty four. Still a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three weeks ago, I did six, <laughs> and I was like, this shit's get fucking, you know. Um, but I love talking to people and I've met so many interesting mm. characters and like learned so much. And um, I, I've, I've said it a number of times on the podcast. This is me kind of like putting the spotlight on you guys mm. and and talking about you and talking about your work and, and things like that. You yeah, know? you learn so much about other people and, and how they approach something or just their, yeah, yeah even their, their stories is, is quite interesting sometimes. Yeah, and it... it, it it certainly helps with being able to um, get the reps in around dealing with like communication and dealing with talking to different people about different aspects of their life, and mm. you know, and I'm 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 absolutely certain that you would have uh, experienced this, but as a photographer, I certainly feel like. Sometimes you're a life coach. Sometimes you're a nutritionist. Sometimes you're a personal trainer, yep. a psychologist, like all of this type of stuff. Mm. Because you're, because we're asking people to be vulnerable, and when they're vulnerable, all this stuff comes out, and you have to learn how to like communicate with it, mm. manage it, mm. try to get the best shot. Mm. You know, um, and. Yeah, like all of that's really hard. And how do you do that without getting the reps in? Yeah. No, no, absolutely. It is absolutely about the reps. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it, it is It is interesting. Like people will say to me, oh, how do you how do you get to work with so many amazing people? And I'm like, just fucking look at my work schedule. Like this work schedule did not create itself. Mm. Like you have to build up to it. Yeah. Um, and I, I've, I've got a mate that always reminds me, like, people seem to forget, like, how much, how many years and how many hours of work that you've done to get to where you are. They just think that this comes, like, naturally. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, doesn't it? <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. Like, he goes, y- you make it look easy, but that's just your personality. Mm. You know, and, you know, I think if you can make something look easy, then people like take that for granted yeah um yeah i think when they say you know a hundred thousand images a hundred thousand frames is what you need to yeah you know to master um a particular area or to master a camera you know to learn you know to know how to use it without looking at any of the buttons like mm. you were talking about before mm. um so yeah with you've got 500 on that one so you're you know you're five times uh, over so yeah and god knows how many on that one <laughs> yeah. so i had a so before the 5D Mark IV, I had a 70. Yep. And before the 70, I had a, a like a Rebel mm-hmm. equivalent. Mm. Um, and then before that, I had a RX100. And then before that, I had like a Panasonic. And before that, I had like a Fuji. Yeah, right. I'm like, mate, that's 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Actually, a, that's a lot of cameras in 11 years. Actually, no, sorry. The 11 years has predominantly probably been, uh, I started with the the Rebel. Mm-hmm. So like going back further is like when I was with the Sony. Okay. The, 
yeah, yeah, the yeah. Fuji. So you've so. been on that Canon journey. Yeah, yeah. It's just easy. Yeah, you know? yeah. Maybe that should be the tagline you tell Canon that you're going to use. It's just easy. <laughs> Promote me, please. <laughs> Come on. Promote him as well. Yeah, I've, absolutely. I'll definitely take on some free gear. <laughs> it's, it's you know, you see all this stuff like on TikTok. I don't know if you're on TikTok. I'm not. Yeah. That's the only, one of the only um, forms of social media I'm not on. But. Why? Why? I that is a good question. I I think my kids probably would ban me if I probably <laughs> tried to get across there. Um, no, I just I, I have I'm struggle not, enough keeping up with it, just putting stuff on Instagram. I'm not asking you to do like one of those stupid dances. Are you, are you not? Okay, no. well then I'm in there. No, they no, convince me. No, like let's let's see some some photos or some how tos. All right, maybe that's a twenty four thing. Some lighting like techniques. I'll commit to us uh, assessing it. Let's let's say that. That's good. Certainly because I find if you put like instructional stuff on there, <clears throat> it's this, it's this um, paradigm between gatekeeping and sharing information, mm, right? Mm. Like I certainly feel like you do need to gatekeep a little bit, but um, if you share information, people are lazy. They actually don't. They watch to analyze what you're doing, mm. but they ain't gonna fucking do it. No, I was only thinking about this yesterday. Actually, you're so that's so true. Like they people are lazy. People are lazy. They and I. I think about my own laziness in terms of if I really wanted to go next level with my work, I would be starting a project board. Right. I mean, I, and I have you know Pinterest boards and everything else, but I would be starting way back early, building it up, getting a team on board. You know, paying everybody and generating this product. My only question is, what am I producing this product for? Is it if it's just for me? Like, if I'm not, it's not going to be saleable. Mm. Um, I'm producing a personal project, which is going to cost me a fortune. But maybe that's how I improve beyond where I'm currently at. So the question for me is, are you willing to give it a crack? And yeah, because I've got this nine to five, which is nothing related to photography, I can afford to go and do that. So mm. I probably should just challenge myself. And my motto is, you know, you're a long time dead. So you might as well do it while you're here. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And look, may, maybe lazy is not the right word. I think people are comfortable. They're comfortable to like watch other people do the work. Yeah. But and then they don't, they, they don't necessarily, um, they're not going to go out there and do it. What I find is they will come to you. Yeah. Yeah. Because they want that done. Yeah. It's not that they will you know, replicate what you've done. If you if you show them how complicated it is or show them your expertise, then it's kind of like, oh wow. Like that it's a, it it's kind of that saying like, um, your tribe will find you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how do they find you if you don't put your shit out? No, that's that's a hundred percent for sure. I think that what drives me is about self improvement and producing a good product versus trying to just in my personal circumstance, trying to find extra demand for my services. Because for me, I've got a finite amount of time and I'm just trying to get to that level where I'm very happy with the work that I'm producing. Mm. And if I don't, yeah, for me, it is really about just my feedback. I and mean, people may approach me and say, I want to learn how to do what you do, which is fine. And that's what those workshops are about. But I don't find myself um, driven by trying to generate demand, mm. which that's a bit of a, yeah, we, I was only talking about this last night with my wife about 
um, what would it take to become a professional photographer, like to switch your life around completely. Now, this is not on my um, list of things to do. But when I get to, maybe when I get to retirement, I will actually use all my skills that I built up over that time to do more work in that space. But then you're not retired. No, but I think you need a passion, otherwise you're, you know, you're on the yeah. way out the door. So. Yeah, mm. that's exactly right. Mm. Was it? There's that saying, right? Like, if you are working to retire, then you're probably going to die. Yep. But if you if you finish a career and you take on something else that is a hobby, you know, like in that retirement age bracket, yeah, then you're probably just going to like just keep living on. No, know? no, exactly, exactly, so true. Um, so what do you do nine to five? Uh, so I, I manage a business that's in the chemical industry. Holy shit. Yeah. So nothing to do with creative at all, actually. Um, and we are managing the so life you cycle. you are the, the, the real life fucking Walter White. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you in a fucking I love, hazmat I love, suit. I love, that, uh, I love that show. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, no, no. But I can't, no. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, because I, I studied science, obviously, in chemistry. And then, um, anyway, so we... Um, we manage the life cycle of refrigerants. Right. So refrigerants are stuff that's in your split system here or your car air conditioner. Yeah. These are synthetic greenhouse gases. So these are bad things. They need to be managed and um, and it's heavily regulated. And So, yeah, we, we recycle these products and, and put them back out into the market. How the fuck did you get into that? Uh, well, I've always worked in worked with chemical companies or for chemical companies and I've been through a variety of management roles and this was just about... Yeah, a commercial role that I was um, was uh, tapped on the shoulder to go and do, and yeah, I've been been doing that for six and seven years. Yeah, right. So you've got a team of people that work with you. Yep. Or work for you. Yep. Um, and is it is it is it like extremely dangerous? No, refrigerants are, are pretty benign. They're bad for the environment. They're they're synthetic, uh, you know, global warming agents. Yeah. Um, some of the older ones are ozone depleters. So, you know, the ozone layer problem that was created by the some fuck? of the... Yeah, by the CFCs. And so how do, you, how, do you, how do you recycle those? Uh, it's pretty simple. It's um, simple in terms of the chemistry um, or the physics of it. It's just distillation. So it's like distilling alcohol or right. anything like that. They'll, they'll, they'll boil at fairly low, um, under pressure conditions. Yeah. They'll, they'll just boil and you separate them. So Right. Hmm. But they, you know, they're heavily regulated and, you know, we need them to keep our beer cold, keep our food cold, keep our um, medicines cold. Yeah. Um, but they are, you know, products you do not want accidentally getting into the environment. So Yeah. We need like a super scientist data guy to <laughs> take care of all of that yeah, shit. Yeah. And take photos of them as well. Yeah. Not really. Not taking photos of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you ever done product photography? Yes. Um, where have I? I've ha I've dabbled with it for for friends who you know yeah. have some stuff and they said oh you've got a camera you must be able to but of course product photography is very um, specialized and you really need to know Super what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean I've got a I've got a guy that I know who who does that type of work and even just getting you know a, okay Walter White <laughs> just calm down I got a guy 
who does that type of work. Exactly, exactly. <coughs> um, and just getting a nice uh, light em- effect on a wine bottle, for example, it's super challenging, right? It's not yeah. so simple. You want symmetry and it's got to look believable and where does the shadow go and all when, that jazz. When I, when I started my photography um, journey 11 years ago, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I, I tried um, jewellery. Fuck me. Some hard shit. Yeah, no, it's jewelry is so hard. Yeah, lighting and Just angles and trying to make it look good. Like, yeah. Mm. Um, and then I, yeah, like I've still got a car portfolio, and I'm doing, a, I'm trying to kick that off again. Yeah, like uh, this year, but um, I just found like model photography to be like s- more suited to my personality. Mm you know, interacting with adults. Uh, I did I did take photos of my kids and I did do other people's family portraits, but I was like, yeah, no, I'm not dealing with other people's kids. No. Like, no, I, I have along the way um, shot a few family shots and the number of times I get someone coming back saying, oh, can you swap their eyes for this, the eyes in this shot? And it's just like, oh, Man, uh, if you if the eyes are going to be closed, or you know, this skin tone, even if their skin tone was, you know, on the day, the I think it was the father, he had quite flushed skin. Mm. They're going, oh, can you do something about that redness? And I'm going, no. When he he should have like, if there's some problem with, he should have not gone for a run, thirty k run. Exactly. Please don't do that. Before his photo shoot, yeah, with, maybe I need a list. Brett Ferguson photography. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So that's not my genre either. Like, mm. Mm. I do I do like dealing with people. Uh, as we we're talking before, again and again, and if I shoot multiple times with that person, the stuff we get every time is is just improving every every time. And that's that's what really drives you, right? Mm. Like, if you can see an improvement and you get to build on that connection, like it's 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 just so rewarding. Yeah, and the excitement in the model as well. Like if they if they're excited by what they're seeing um, through that evolution mm. then that's um that's pretty exciting as well for me if you mm. can see them you know the glint in their eye and go oh yeah, this is really cool what we're getting so other than pushing yourself creatively mm. what type of like training or like how do you improve yourself i try and do one form of education a year so i okay. try to schedule myself to say and i do encourage other people to do the same thing you know go out and find what you want to learn and then just lock in on that. Um, this year, I don't really have a plan. Um, but, you know, over the past, I, will I know a guy who's running some workshops. That, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Reach out. Yeah. Um, so it's about, for me, it's about deciding exactly what I want to learn. Now, for me, sometimes that education is trying something completely different, like this yeah. location shoot that I'm talking about. It's going to be challenging, right? And there's logistics around that. You've got to, Make sure everyone's getting there on time. We're gonna, you know, we have multiple people going there. Um, food, like all that sort of stuff. How are we going to manage all this? So that's an education in itself. So, but in the past, I've done, I've done lighting workshops. I have done online stuff. Mm. I've still got a few subscriptions going where I'm, you know, watching a particular um, Photoshop guy, for example, and just up keeping my techniques up to date in terms of these new things that come out. And you go, oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, Lightroom even, but certainly Photoshop that it could do that. And yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot online too, but I just find I learn better if I stay with one particular teacher mm-hmm. and and just follow that process through. So. Yeah, I find um, I'll only so the online stuff I'll only search for something 
or try to learn something new if I feel like it can add to my repertoire yep. of like techniques. Um, and then I find like there's a couple of traveling models um, that when they're in town, I like pay for their services yep. because because they're traveling, they get to work with so many other international photographers and then I get to like learn off them, sure. you know, and I, I find that that's, that's always really, really good for me. Mm. You know, everyone's got to like work out what their own learning style is and what works for them and, and things like that. Mm. So, mm. so yeah, so that's, that's definitely what I do and, you know, the stuff that's online, like YouTube, it's just endless. Yeah, no, it just keeps going. But I think your idea is right, is you just got to choose a few things like that, like a, choosing a professional model who's worked with a lot of other photographers and they go, oh, I've seen this and or I, I know that this works and that doesn't or mm. whatever. So they can, they can you can add that to your, to your uh, repertoire, so to speak. So. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. Mm. Amazing. So how can people find you, Brett? Uh, so find me, um, Instagram is the place that I do most update, which is Brett Ferguson Photography. I probably should have come up with something more um, interesting back when I first <laughs> chose that, but it, it tells people who B I am. B BFP. Well, that's in my symbol. My, my symbol is BFP. But um, uh, And I do have a website as well, brettferguson.com.au. So, but it doesn't get updated as much as it should. It was there as the sort of when I was still trying to work out what, what I'm going to take. And I also wanted to show people that I was serious. I thought having a website helped with that. I'm not sure that it, people spend a lot of time there. I think people look at my Instagram work. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting right here in Australia, Instagram's really big. I think overseas websites and, yeah. you know, yeah, and other, I get, other platforms. I get a lot of the, you know, looking at the data, a lot of the hits that I get are from the US for whatever reason. Mm. Um, I mean, it's a big population probably as part of the story, but... US and Europe um, is probably predominantly where people are, are coming from. So, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. I'll have the little pop up thing come up. So. Excellent. Yeah. You got to point it up here or? No, I'll no. do it. Let's do it, like do it down there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I always laugh when people do that and it's in the wrong spot and you go, why the hell do you, why, why put that over there then if you know it's over there? Like in editing, you know where to put it. <laughs> exactly. Like if you're pointing exactly. there, you put it you there. You put it there. If you put, I don't get it why people do that. They just get lazy and they go, oh, I'll just put it up there. I think they're not doing their own editing. Oh. They've gotten someone else to do it. Okay. So when are you doing that? When are you getting someone else to do it apart from AI? So. I don't know. Yeah. I've had so many retouches try to hit me up with like doing editing and things yeah, like that. Yeah, I can't like, that I just too. can't do that. No. But I, I learned last night that a new thing, maybe it's not so new, but talking about TikTok, that these people now, professional TikTokers going to weddings so there, you know, you go photography, you got a videographer, but you've also got a professional TikToker who's actually uploading BTS stuff and their own images as well into TikTok for the for the bride and groom. I'm going, what the hell? That's a job. So yeah, but never know. Yeah. Um. So I went to a wedding many many moons ago, and the um. Actually, this was like before I started my photography journey and I was amazed at the level of um, production that was created from the um, photography, videography team. So they had, um, and, 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 and it really didn't come kind of like come together till um, you sat down at um, the reception and they showed this video. Yeah. 
so 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 <clears throat> so it was an afternoon wedding and there was like a ceremony at a church da, 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 and then you literally go to the reception like straight after yeah right yeah but um <clears throat> the video team and the photography team had like documented um like the bride and groom's morning and real time we're like editing yeah for this grand reveal video at the reception yeah right and we're talking like like hollywood blockbuster <laughs> fucking production wow and i was we were all just like sitting there going what the fuck yeah like how much money lots would you have had to pay cuz there were like I think it was a team of like seven people. Yeah, it's a big team. There were three people on laptops editing. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> it's full on. It's, it's, abs it's just absolutely mental. Yeah, but I guess if you got the money for it, go for it. Why if, not? Yeah, if you Because people money. go, oh, this is amazing. <clears throat> now we're getting to see what we didn't see from the morning. And, and everyone's happy because it's all about the day, right? Because the next day everyone's, you know, forgotten about it. They're all hungover yeah. and moving on. H have you ever done weddings? One. I did one for <laughs> – no, two actually. I did one on film. So that's brave. One one was uh, curiosity <laughs> and then the, and then the second one was validating so, the uh, decision of so not doing you, uh, Yeah, I think that's true. So one, one I did on film when I was uh, wow, 16, 17 years old and, uh, and I grew up in a very small country town and they'd said, oh. Albury, Wodonga. No, no, God, that's big town. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's a city, I think. <laughs> um, and so – they said, oh, there's a there's a local photographer. I'm going, I'm not a local photographer. So they're like, oh, can you take our wedding photos? So I took the wedding photos and um, it was a Greek wedding and uh, I was completely out of my depth. But I got some shots and they were very happy with those shots. That's good. And then I shot for my, my cousin's wedding. Um, you know, one of those things where they didn't want to spend money on photographers. So they got me instead. Um, and that, that was, was it. That was with the digital camera? It was digital, yeah. Okay, yeah. And that was pretty stressful um, day. And I was absolutely cooked by 8 o'clock. I'd had enough. I was, you know, mm. I'd had about two beers and then went to sleep. Um, but, yeah, it was good. It was good fun. And we produced some great images. I was actually around at their place recently and, and saw some of their images framed on the wall. So, you know, that's nice when you see your image up there. Um, that's, that's so rewarding. Oh, it right? is. And it's like um, – it's even like Instagram. I reckon I can probably name 10 profiles where my image is their, is their cover image. Yeah. And that's always nice. That shows to me their respect for the image that we created. And yeah. it shows that, you know, I've nailed my job as well. If I've got them saying that's – of all of the images I have of myself, that's the one that I'm going to use. So, so are you saying that you wouldn't – to weddings again? Oh hell no! <laughs> I don't have a weekend available like to be doing that stuff. No shit. No God no. I mean, it's always, way too stressful. Yeah, but I always, I always love the challenge, right? I love a challenge. If someone said to me, yeah. "You can't do that," I'll go, well, "No, I can. I, I could probably do it." But I have no desire, and um, that was the conversation we were having last night about. I wonder how much wedding photographers actually make. Like how much. After tax money, are you making? And I, I don't know. It depends on the photographer, right? But at the end of the day, I think it's a lot. Yeah, I for the high end guys, yeah, I get it. They they're earning a lot of money, um, but I reckon where I am, you know, you'd be middle of the road. You'd be working hard for your cash. Yeah, mm. um, I've always stayed away from weddings because I just don't want the extra stress. Yeah, like yeah, the, the pressure of 
it's their big day. Yeah, yeah. The pressure of um, you only get one chance. They ain't gonna do this again. No, no. you know. No, um, I, I had, I shot a twenty first back in, uh, back when I was about eighteen or something, and that, um, that was all on film, and. The flash, I don't know, something went wrong with the flash and it overcooked all the images. Like it was at night. I didn't really have any choice but to shoot flash. Yeah. But it cooked all the images and it was just everything was completely useless. So I had to apologize. And it was the um, school's, school principal's son that I was taking the photographs of. So it was pretty awkward. <sighs> anyway, I still graduated. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the skin of your teeth. Exactly. Who knows? Um, well... Brett, thanks for coming along for the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. And uh, yeah, great pleasure to meet you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, thanks everyone for listening in. Make sure you subscribe. That <laughs> subscribe button's gonna be there and the, the, the notification bell. And uh, I'll catch you guys all on the next one. See ya.